We are the Knights of Awakening. So long as I draw breath in this life, I promise to serve this world responsibly with empathy, compassion, and grace. I have faith that what I am doing is right and just. I bring hope to every life that I touch through inspired and empowered involvement. When called to action, I will employ courage in the face of adversity and always stand up for what is right. Being patient, find peace and insight in my trials. I will keep in mind that justice can bring terrible consequences for all involved and that I also must employ mercy when I can. I will be generous to my brothers, sisters, and strangers for they are my family. I, I strive to always be noble and respectful in all of my interactions in the world. The next one, I am modest and reserved. Being an example is more powerful than telling stories. What number was that one, Justin? I have stopped numbering them. <laughs> um, the modest one is the hard one because, and this, this is going to sound funny, when you are doing good things, you have to have created a self-image of, of a good person, an ideal person. Uh, an exercise, a friend of mine who's also been a mentor at different points to me in my life said, find the ideal fictional character to represent who you are or who you want to be and try to use that as an inspiration to move you forward. And that's great until it starts to work. And this is where the modesty and being reserved is necessary, even if that character or caricature is modest and is reserved, it is important to recognize that if you are in a state of gusto or if you're in a state of bravado or braggadocio, that what you are doing is attempting to get others to see you in a certain way based on the stories of who you are rather than the actions they've seen in your life. This can be a terrible thing, especially if you have done great things, because you build up the image of those great things instead of seeking other great things to do for other people. If everyone has heard the story of the time that you wrestled a water buffalo to the ground, then in some part you never have need to become stronger. You never have need to help them when they move to a new house by helping them lift things because they already know you're strong. Um, this is not to say that that's the only reason a person does things, but you need to recognize the internal psychology. When you go to help people, Sometimes it's good to have something to prove, as funny as that's going to say. But moreover, if you're going to make the world a better place, people having seen you do it in actions can become more important than telling the stories about it. I will caveat this. Um, I have a, a buddy of mine who is in one of the nightly communities, uh, the Jedi community specifically, and without getting into a lot of details, he said he, he feels like people don't 
know about what he's done, and he feels like he, he never is given the respect or the credit that he deserves for all that he does. And I told him, I said, well, I know what you've done, but you and I talk on a weekly basis. I said, how does anyone else know? And he's like, well, I don't want to brag. And I said, I understand that, but you want to inspire. And he said, yeah. I said, then you're going to have to brag a little bit. There's a balance point for this. There's a, there's a difference between being modest and reserved and being self-deprecatingly so, so that you hide the good things you've done when they could have inspired others to do more. Especially when you're in a, a community of fellows, so yeah. a fellowship or in the nightly community. You should not be bragging to the man on the street, but maybe with your fellow knights a little bit if it'll get them mm -hmm. moving. That's the point of communion, and this is where you and I, you and I are kind of on the outs with others when it comes to being modest. And I mean, obviously, we're on the radio talking about great stuff that people have done, and sometimes we talk about ourselves, but we try to talk about others. But this is where we kind of disagree with others. Uh, in some regards, I, I think it sh we should do what we can to show people what we're doing in the world to help inspire them, sharing with them what inspired us, telling those stories about how, you know, we did these little things for someone or did these great things for someone. It will then help inspire somebody who is, like you said, within our groups. If you're listening to this show, I, I am assuming you have some passing interest in uh, the nightly path. So I don't feel bad about telling people stories, even if they're personal stories, even if it sounds like I'm kind of bragging a little bit, uh, because my goal, my, 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 my goal is to get them, is to help inspire them, but also to inspire them to open up and talk to me too. Uh, our mutual friend, you know, that, that is uh, something him and I have talked about when we do speak is that, you know, we, we should open up a little more and let people know what we're doing and help them be inspired. It's hard to be a role model if you're always modest and if you're always reserved. Sometimes you can't, people can't see what you're doing, so you have to tell them. Sometimes you got to brag it up a little bit. Uh, not to the point where it becomes arrogance, of course. There's, there's a pitfall there. If you get too full of it, too full of yourself, then you know you're kind of turning people off. Uh, ultimately, the best we can do, the best thing, the best life we can live is to show other people, be an example of being a good person, being a, a, a being an example of somebody who's worth emulating, being an example of of right action and compassion and all that good stuff. So. Uh, if you if you live a good life and you are out there and people can see you, then you probably don't have to brag it up a little bit. Other people are going to talk about it. You know, uh, I I talk, I tell people about Charles all the time. He tells people about me. Uh, a lot of the times we're probably embellishing a little bit because it's fun and um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say this. I don't know anyone more modest than Justin or anyone who's more reserved. He is the most – he is so modest. <laughs> Shaolin monks 
seek him out to learn of his modesty. Speaking of Shaolin monks, this is a, this is kind of like a this is just a little side off here, but that show that you told me that I should watch, The Good Place, I think that yes. was you that told me to watch that. Yes, it was. I cannot get over the 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 monk character. He cracks me up so bad. He cracks me up so bad. He is actually a walking example of this uh, of this precept. <laughs> How far are you into this show? We are about uh, we're in season two, about halfway through season two. Okay, so you've got that's great. To, yeah, yeah. I'm it not going to spoil it for anyone. Yeah. But you, you've you've gotten to the point where I I, I know you get the sh- the severe humor of this that the, that they that the way they cast him in this yes. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's so great. It's so great. Okay, the next one. I am attentive and focused. I am wise and in mind and mindful. I'm always prepared for a situation by being open to all possibilities. So this one is in many ways an extension of the very first one. Um, And by first one, I mean the first one that we've read. (laughs) Uh, But my humor aside in... Number one. Number one, yes. Because I'm going to make Justin number things. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see his OCD kick in. We all have a little bit of it, but we all have our little things too. Um, I am attentive and focused. See me getting sidetracked on this one of all ones. If you are not attentive and focused, which stems from being peaceful and serene, if you're not wise and mindful, then when catas- when catastrophic events hit, when problems occur, when the world takes a turn, you're going to be unprepared for the situation that is unfolding, and you're not going to be open to all the possibilities of how to deal with it. Most defeats occur by not having grounding and foundation in the self to deal with the problem at hand. Most defeats in life, the times when we actually fail to help people or help ourselves, come about from having a lack of centralized focus and by a lack of seeking wisdom. Of, of just looking at things from as many points of view as we can and being prepared for what is coming, as well as being able to react to it as it unfolds. This all stems from being in a state of peace. You cannot be attentive and focused if you're raging or in a state of panic or a state of lust or a state of passion. You cannot be able to face the dangers in the world and do anything well or right in them if you are not seeking wisdom and being mindful of yourself and the world around you. Being prepared for the world, it it is being open to the possibilities of all the things you could do and all the things everyone else could do and how things can go right or wrong. I'll tell you this, since I became a a homeowner, I have been opened up 
to a, a world of of arcane torture. No, um, it feels like it some days, though. I have been opened up to a world of a thousand things I did not know and that I did not know I did not know. A thousand problems that could come up that I didn't even know could be a situation you could deal with in your life. And in that, I've had to become open to all of the ways to deal with every single crisis, including the possibility that sometimes I can't deal with a crisis in the way that I want to, and that I've got to change gears and look at things from a different perspective and go in a different direction to solve a problem. It's been eye-opening for me. And I would say I've had to maintain that state to to make it through some of the different problems that have come up with that. That's a personal example with a bit of vagueness so that I don't take the whole show talking about it. But this is how you have to navigate life. This is not – this is how to be the best person. That's what all of these things are about. It's how to be the best person, but it's also how to navigate life. You cannot be the best person if you cannot focus on what's going on, if you are not seeking wisdom and being mindful of everything that is in that is in action, nor are you very useful to yourself or others if you're not prepared and with an open mind to how things can evolve. And as we were talking about on the Toolbox show that hit last week, awareness is pretty much a tool that we use to get out of trouble too or to even avoid it. It's the most important part of self-defense is awareness, being aware of what's going on, being aware of what other people are doing, being aware of surroundings, being aware of your strengths and weaknesses. These things are very important. And it's, you know, wisdom is knowing when to act and when not to act. And you do that by awareness too. You take in the totality of the circumstances. Uh, understanding also that just because problems seem similar, they may not be. They could be, but they may not be. Being open and aware to that uh, will go will help you go a long way. You have to be kind of flexible and being mindful of the all the whole thing, the players involved, the circumstances, the environment, and your state of mind. Those are all important factors in that. Uh, the next one, I am logical and reasonable. I'm aware of my feelings, working in cooperation with and in consideration of my mind. This one, so I have a great love of logic and reason as guiding points towards right action. And a lot of that, I'm, I, hate, I hate to say it, it comes from Star Trek. A lot of people are going to say, well, what could you get out of a science fiction show? And obviously, if you're asking that, you don't know me very well. Um but the idea of defaulting to logic and reason, to me, is such a logical conclusion. It is such a, a reasonable thing to do. 
you have to be aware of your own feelings. And you have to be able to work within that and within how you're already structured as a person. But if you cannot separate yourself from that to some degree and use logic and reason to approach any given situation, positive or negative, then you're a slave to your own passions and drives. You're a slave to the structure of your mind. You're a slave to the last thing that happened to you. I am someone who seeks freedom in the world for people. If, I, if there was something I seek for people, it is freedom. Freedom from the oppression of themselves, freedom from the oppression of others. Freedom, in my mind, is one of the highest values. And within that, logic and reason give you the ultimate freedom from the ultimate oppressor. The greatest oppression you will ever find in your own world is your own mind. But if you fight it like an enemy with logic and reason, instead of allowing logic and reason to help you find a way to work within your own self, then you're a person pitted against himself. You, you get nowhere and you do nothing. So at this line, it is almost a core that you should be focusing on drilling into yourself, both for crisis and for mundane stuff. And I'll tell you, for me, this is one I have trouble with on mundane stuff and I'm great with within crisis. If I make up a tray of ice and one ice cube flies out onto the floor, it is the end of the world. Justin, it's the end of the world. I'm sure you've been called to try and contain the chuck. I get that way when I get that way when my jacket or sleeve gets caught on something. It's just mm -hmm. like just like this this moment of impact, just like and it's the dumbest thing ever but it stresses me out. Like, nothing stresses me out. Getting shot at, no problem. Getting ran off the road, easy. Snagging my sleeve on a on a cupboard in my kitchen, total annihilation. <laughs> Unyielding rage. Unyielding rage, right? And the thing is, though, by keeping things like this in mind, remember, you are going to have success and failure within this. By keeping this in mind, there's that moment of like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we have people in the hospital, someone died, something happened, I've maintained my calm, I'm good. You know, things caught on fire, that's no problem, I'm good. One ice cube flies out of the tray wrong. An unyielding rage begins to build. <laughs> this is why I had to, uh, I had to pull all the... All the uh... Uh, handles off all my cabinets and told anybody if you want to use them you got to learn to use the force because I can't snag wow. not one more <laughs> I hope that's a joke I have not seen the inside of your house that might be the truth we're working we're working on uh, telekinesis as we speak just so that that can be a, a thing someday. okay <laughs> okay so within that that logical self lets you have a firewall that kicks in maybe not at the moment of it. So the firewall will kick in a lot for a lot of us disproportionately. The bigger the trigger, the quicker we go to that logical self if we've drilled that in, which is what you should be working on doing. 
so that you can work with those feelings as they're coming up so that you can find what they're guiding you towards. Why is it you're upset about the ice cube flying? Well, obviously, you're seeking the illusion of control over the environment. And in seeking that illusion of control, this was so simple that it should have been within your control and was not. And therefore, you're reaching an emotional state. You can then work on integrating that emotion. You can work on understanding what it is, why it is, and where it comes from in your emotional self, and then move forward so that you pick up the ice cube instead of, you know, like pile driving it through the floor. You can unhook your sleeve from the cabinet rather than ripping the cabinet door off and, and, and destroying all the fine china within it. Yeah. We have two good examples that I can think of. Uh, the the first example is of Spock when his planet was being destroyed, and here is this young man who are already at odds because he's half human and half Vulcan, and he has these two opposing cultures vying for you know control of his of him of his of his uh, being, and his he's thinking of his mother being uh, perished on the planet, and he flips out. Like Spock flips out. You don't see Spock flip out, right? He flips out. And, and other people have to be the voice of reason for him at that moment. And um, it's a very powerful moment in that movie. I love that movie, by the way. I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but I love the new movies. And I know people are going to hate me for that. But, um, the other example uh, is from another fictional universe that starts with Star. And it's when... Uh, when the assassin tries to kill Senator uh, Padme with those little worm things, those little worms or whatever, and Anakin flips out and goes just hauling, and he jumps out of the car, and he's doing all this extra stuff he doesn't have to do, and Obi-Wan's telling him, relax, stop, think. But there's two good examples of one where sometimes emotions are good, but you have to temper those with logic. You have to stop and think, too. This these this line takes us back to balance again. It takes us back to trying trying our best to be in a balanced state of mind. We have feelings, yes. You should trust them, uh, but you should consider them with your mind. Your thoughts can betray you too. So you should balance and bank and and uh, use your feelings to kind of try and balance and get the best uh, course of action for yourself, best direction you need to go. They should work in concert with each other. And it's hard. It, I know. And, and we keep saying that, too. Everything's hard. Everything's hard. We know. Everything's hard. Uh, we strive for higher ideals and higher uh, states of being, not, not the easy ones. Definitely. Um, I want to say also, uh, just as a side note, I'm definitely a big fan of all the Star Trek movies. Yes, even, even the bad ones from, from the early eras. Uh, yes, even that one, whichever one you're thinking about. <laughs> uh, the only issue I have ever had with the new Star Trek movie was that the science in it wasn't up to par of the previous uh, iterations of the franchise. It definitely, definitely triggered my logical reaction when, when, uh, when Spock was late for a, a totally preventable event. <laughs> right. What happened? Spock said his watch wrong. Oh, Spock was late for something that could be predicted. No. That was the hardest part to believe. 
But uh, some of the science terminology, just as a, a side note, on our side note here, uh, but for in terms of story and plot, loved it, loved it, mm-hmm. definitely. I want, I want, I want, I want a remix cut where they like change some of the wording and lines. It made me a fan. The new movies, they made me a fan. I, I was never, I, and here we go. I know I'm gonna get some hate for this, but I liked bits and pieces of Star Trek. I didn't really like the old stuff. I liked John Luke Picard, and I liked. Um, Deep Space Nine. I, I like some of that, but I didn't really. It, it just. It wasn't. I don't know if it wasn't lightsabery enough for me or, or what. It wasn't. It wasn't space wizardy enough for me. Uh, but I did enjoy it. But the new movies, really, I really did enjoy them a lot. You know, that's common among people that are fans of Star Trek. Is that they very much got into the next generation in Deep Space Nine but they couldn't get into the original or they couldn't get into the stuff that came after as much. Mm. And part of that is because outside of the first season, the first season of The Next Generation is is terrible um, for a lot of it. It's not all bad, but there there's some real stinkers in there. They've, there's racism, there's sexism, there's all manner of things which are products of the early 80s when it was written, but you you would have expected Star Trek of all the shows, the one that was the forerunner for inclusion and for diversity and for all of these things, you would have expected better out of the you first would. season of yeah. the next generation. But after that, the next generation is super philosophical. It is very much uh, driven on the idea of what does it mean to be good? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be right? Mm-hmm. Where... Where do logic and reason fall in on these things? You know, logic and reason are the guiding principles of that series, to bring it back to what we're talking about. Whereas Deep Space Nine, when they entered the war era, one of the reasons I could definitely see, one of the reasons I loved that series, one of the reasons I'm sure that you were able to get into it, is that within that, now we see what happens when you take that logic and that reason, you take a people who have moved beyond their baser selves and put them into the environment of the most base self, which is war. That is the most basest place you could ever hope to be. It is the place where your worst parts come through. And it's neat to see what happens when Utopia meets Armageddon. It really shows you how, how much philosophy can be a guiding light as well as how quickly people can set it down. Which, you know, back to our main topic, if you have logic and reason, you are able to much more easily integrate and determine where your limits are, where your lines are at. And then from that, you find your path and your purpose. With that, My friends and family, always remember, awaken the night within.